All right. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2. John G. Patton was a Scottish missionary sent out to uh, the South Pacific Islands, and he went to take the name of Christ amongst a fierce and cannibalistic uh, native people. He and his wife did. And one night, tribal warriors surrounded their compound, their missionary compound. They were painted up and, and uh, appeared they were ready for battle. And they stayed on the edge of the compound and, and looked very fierce. Uh, and eventually they turned and left. A year later, some of those tribal leaders had come to Christ. And Patton came to ask them about that fearful night that he and his wife spent thinking that it would be their last night. The chief said, yes, we had come to your compound. We intended to kill all of you, but we knew that we were no match for the armed warriors surrounding your camp. Who were those men? The chief asked. Patton knew nothing of any armed guards or warriors, and he deduced that God had surrounded his compound with angels to protect them in the night. I don't know whether or not you believe in angels, but the Bible certainly does. Over 300 times, the Bible speaks of angels. And the Christmas story is one of the most concentrated proliferations of angelic sightings and appearances in all of the Bible. Maybe, I'm not sure about this statistically, but maybe second only to the book of Revelation. And I want us to look at the Christmas story, of course, this morning from Luke chapter 2. And as I was studying this over the last couple of weeks, uh, again, these angelic heavenly messengers is what stood out to me in some ways. So let's think about this. What are angels? Who are angels? Well, angels are created. Sometimes we call them spiritual beings, or we could say superhuman beings. Uh, the Bible teaches that man, humankind, is a little bit lower than the angels in terms of maybe power and things like that. Angels have moral judgment. They are highly intelligent, but they're without human type or physical bodies. But certainly they are able to appear according to the Bible. Now, what about demons? What about Satan? It's not explicitly for sure, but it does seem like the Bible teaches that Satan and the demons are corrupted or rebellious angels or fallen angels, we might say, who have been cast out of heaven and are awaiting God's final judgment. The Bible speaks about angels with many names. The sons of God actually is a name used in Job uh, chapter 1 and verse 6. Holy ones, spirits, watchers, thrones, powers, dominions, principalities and authority. All of these are ways that the Bible speaks about spiritual beings that we often call angels. Did you know not all angels are the same? There are different orders of angels, if you will, a striking amount of variation. Interestingly, the Bible speaks about cherubim. Now, again, I think maybe we've talked about this. Y'all have your little fat baby cherubs decorating your, your mantle at home or something like that, but actually cherubim are fierce protectors. Seraphim or seraphim, another order, if you will, of angels. The Bible speaks about 
living creatures before the throne in the book of Revelation. There are mighty or strong angels. There is the angel of the Lord and angel of the Lord. So all of these different ranks and hierarchies and orders of angels. What do angels do? Hebrews 1.14 says, Do you not know that all angels are ministering spirits sent out to render service for God for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? So think about this. Angels are ministers. Ministers, they are those who God has created to do his will in a variety of ways. And we come to the Christmas story and we see in Luke chapter 2 and actually before and also in Matthew that angels are the heavenly messengers of Christmas. So let's dive into the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, and learn more about these heavenly messengers. The first thing we're going to notice in this Christmas story in Luke 2 is the hustle and bustle and the birth in Bethlehem. Let's read verses 1 through 7. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census should be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census each in his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Around the time of Jesus' birth, Caesar Augustus had declared this census and there would be no exceptions. All the civilized or known world was to participate. Now, this wasn't a census like we have. A paper didn't come in the mail with bright red letters that said you must participate in this. It didn't come as an email link. You were not able to complete the census by clicking on a link and going to a website and giving your information. No, you were to go back to your ancestral lands. And so Joseph, who would be the earthly father of Jesus, along with his betrothed Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to go down to Judea down to Bethlehem from Galilee, about a 90-mile trip. Now, some of you think it's tough traveling to your family for Christmas, right? You've got a long way to go. Maybe some of you have got places you've got to be after this. Hey, thank goodness for cars, right? 90 miles, this pregnant woman and her betrothed would go and travel by foot or by beast of burden down to Bethlehem. And you think about how hard and difficult this would be. I mean, here is this expectant mother, and I'm sure she had the nesting instinct, and she had all of these things, probably wanted to decorate the nursery for little baby Jesus to come, right? Are y'all with me? Are y'all happy it's Christmas? Some of y'all are really looking sad today. Now, the kids, I understand why you're sad. You opened up these great presents, and dad didn't even get the batteries put in them, and you had to come to church, right? But you old folks have no excuse. All you've got to do today is eat and put together things. I'm, I'm including myself in old folks, by the way. You ought to be glad to be here celebrating the birth of Jesus. So let's see you smile a little bit. Hey, that's much better. Y'all look a lot better that way. If you think Harrison and Walmart was busy and bustling this week, it ain't got nothing on Bethlehem 
in the time of this census when Joseph and Mary went down and here she is about to bust. She's about to have the baby and they can't even find a room in the inn. Pushed out, no VIP rooms. They couldn't come and and say, do you know who this baby is we're carrying? No one cared. Everybody was jockeying for a place to stay and there was no room in the inn. And so Mary and Joseph end up outside. Oh, it says that Jesus was laid in a manger. People perceive, you know, maybe uh, uh, they would have been back in a cave or an animal shelter. It says Jesus was laid in a manger. Basically, the way I look at it is they were out in the cold. Left outside for the coming of the Savior of the world. See, this was no ordinary pregnancy. This was no ordinary child that was born in Bethlehem amidst the hustle and bustle of this worldwide census. And if you look back in Luke chapter 1 and verses 26 through 35, there is one of the angelic appearances told to us about this story. And in that appearance, an angel named Gabriel, there are only two angels named in the Bible, Gabriel, And Michael. So one of the named angels in the Bible comes to Mary about a year before the hustle and bustle of Bethlehem and says to Mary, Mary, favored one, you will conceive a son in your womb of the Holy Spirit. She's it's blowing her mind. Do what? I've not known known a man, you know, and I'm not married yet. How can I have a baby? You will conceive in your womb of the Holy Spirit, and this child within you will be called great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. He will have an eternal kingdom. He will sit on the throne of his father, David. Apparently, Mary and Joseph were both of the line of David, it appears. And this child will reign, and his kingdom will be without end. This is no ordinary child. And his conception, of course, tells us about that. But the angelic messengers came and told Mary. And then the angels came and told Joseph, do not be afraid to take this woman as your wife. She has not known a man. She hasn't cheated on you. She has not been unfaithful or impure. This is the Christ child. This is the Holy One of heaven come down. And so the angels told who this child would be. Mary knew it. Joseph knew it. And now we're going to see some others that hear about it, about the coming of this Christ child, and they hear about it through angelic messengers. And that is the angelic sightings among the shepherds. Look in verses 8 through 12. In the same region, now this is when Jesus has been born and laid in a manger. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So at the time of Jesus' coming, of his birth, There are shepherds out doing what shepherds do. They're shepping their sheep, right? They're out in the fields and they're just keeping watch over their flocks, keeping away the predators and and the thieves and that kind of thing, watching out for their sheep. 
And they're just sitting there laying back, probably chilling, maybe, maybe warming by a fire. We don't know. And it says an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared. And I, I suspect the shepherds are like, man, I had too much eggnog. I don't, I, you know, I don't know what's going on, but this angel of the Lord appears before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. That is the radiance of heaven, the supernatural light and radiance appears with the angels and it overwhelms them. It's frightening. The shepherds are frightened. But the purpose of the angels is far from frightening. For listen to what they have to say to the shepherds. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Good news that is joyful news and it's not just for the special people. It's not just for the wealthy people. The haves. It is for all peoples this good news today here's the news born in the city of david christ the lord the coming messiah that has been anticipated amongst the jewish people for all of these centuries this christ child has been born in bethlehem in the city of david a savior for all the people And the shepherds, I'm sure their mind is, wow, that's amazing news. And the angels tell them, and this is the sign. This is how you're going to know who he is. This is how you're going to know when you have found him, you're going to find him in a manger, wrapped up in scrap cloth. This Christ child, this king, that is the humble way in which he has come to you. So there were angelic sightings among the shepherds. Now let's look and see the heavenly hosts appear, praising God in verses 13 through 15. And suddenly, so this is the same scene, and suddenly there appeared with the one angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, not singing by the way, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Well, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So there amongst the shepherds there was an angel with his glorious radiance from heaven, and then suddenly there's a host of angels a heavenly host, by the way, that is probably best translated as an army. It says a multitude. Again, this is not a children's choir that's appeared singing Christmas songs. This is an army of heavenly beings we call angels. And they're doing one of the tasks that angels do. They're worshiping. In the midst of it all, they begin to bust out. Actually, again, it doesn't say they're singing. It says they're saying. I don't know, it's probably rap music if it's music, right? Because, because they're saying this, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. They can't believe what is going on here. What is this thing that has happened? The king of heaven has come down in the form of a humble, little baby. I wonder how much baby Jesus weighed. 
That's our favorite thing to do, right? Seven pounds, 10 ounces, 21 inches long. I wonder what color his hair. Well, probably, probably brown hair or black. You know, he was Jewish. But here is the king of heaven. And the angels just begin to praise God. And pointing the shepherd's eyes upward to the fact that this is what God is doing in your midst. Worship does not belong to the angels. Now it's fun to decorate with angels around Christmas time, isn't it? And if we're not careful, we can get a little too fascinated with angels. The book of Hebrews chapter 1, actually there were many people that were so enamored with angels that they had begun to almost worship them. And the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is way better Way bigger, way higher than the angels. Don't worship angels. Oh, it's fascinating. It's amazing that there are these heavenly creatures, but don't worship them. They're not the son of God. Worship does not belong to Mary and Joseph. Worship belongs to Almighty God for what he has done on Christmas Day, and worship belongs to the Savior he has sent, the Savior from heaven, this one we call Jesus And the last thing I need to say to you today is about this message, about these angelic messengers is, what is the gist? What is the core of the message? If these angels were fulfilling a very specific role, that is to be the messengers of heaven, well, let's be really sure and clear that we get what the message is that they were bringing. Of course, they're bringing glory to God which he deserves. All praise and honor and glory goes to God. They have announced who this child, that we're still celebrating his birth thousands of years later, they announced his identity and who he is, what he would do, and how we are to respond to him, but also what he brings to us. What is the message that the angels announced? What is the content? What is the upshot of it all? Here's what it is. Man, it's good news. It's something that is meant to bring us great joy. You know, Christmas can get all polluted and we can get all bent out of shape about, you know, it's too materialistic and I've talked about that a lot and, 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 and it, you know, it's just, uh, there's a lot of maybe downside of Christmas, but hey, there's a lot of upside of Christmas. What other time of year do you know when almost, no, not, not fully, but almost worldwide, people change? They start dressing differently. You know, ugly Christmas sweaters. They put stuff, they they chop down trees and put them in their house. They get out. We got, how many do we have here, Betty? 23? I chopped down every one of these things. No, not really. They put lights everywhere, get time off. All of a sudden, generosity springs up in a way that it just doesn't any other time. And and sure, there's some sadness at Christmas. And things like that, I get it. But I tell you, by and large, it's just a time where we see people become joyful. That's what Christmas is about. It's about God coming and doing something to bring us great joy. Joy in that we can be saved and made right with God. He sent a Savior to us to give us forgiveness, to make us right with God, to give us life and hope and help and light in our darkness, to show us the way. You know, one of the things about Jesus is he is a model. 
He, he has lived a life, and it's recorded for us in four different gospels. He showed us how we are to live, what life in the kingdom of God is like. You know, we can say things all we want, but it's so much easier to comprehend when we see it. And through the words recorded for us, we can see the life of Jesus. He shows us the way. So he's come to bring us salvation and to bring us joy and to bring us peace. What do the angels say? Peace on earth. Goodwill to men. And he comes and he wants to revolutionize the world. Hey, listen, folks, he wants to revolutionize our insides. He wants to revolutionize our hearts. One of the things I'm, I'm, I'm studying on right now, and let me give you a shameless plug for this. Starting next Sunday morning, we're going to begin walking through the book of Philippians. And I tell you, I'm seeing things as I'm studying and preparing that I have never seen before. But I'll tell you what the book of Philippians, a lot of what it's about, it's about recovering our joy in Jesus. Let me, let me just ask you a question today. How are you doing? How are you doing in here? I'm not asking how pretty is your house decorated, how good is your lunch going to be? How perfectly are your presents wrapped under the tree? I'm not asking how good a show are you putting on for everyone else. I'm not asking you, can you put on and plaster on a fake smile to get through the holidays and make people think that you're okay? Let me just ask you this. Is your life marked by great joy and peace? Supernatural peace. That's why Jesus came. Not just, hey, listen, we need a Savior. We need to be saved. We need to have our sins forgiven. And we need to have a way through death unto eternal life. But that is not, not all that Jesus came to do. He promises us life and joy to the fullest. What he calls abundant life. I was just reading in John chapter 15 today. I tell you these things, Jesus said, so that your joy may be full. Not just so that I can see you in heaven when you die. I come that your joy may be full. And I think if we're being honest, churches are filled. Hey, pulpits are filled with people who are experiencing a dearth of joy. It's missing in many of our lives. And that's what I love about the book of Philippians. It's a word for Christians about growing in the joy of Jesus. So come and explore that with us in the new year. But what about today? Here's what I would say to you. More than techniques and psychological mumbo jumbo and, and all kinds of things that the world throws at you to, and says, if you get this, if you do this, if you attain this, you'll find joy. The message of Christmas is ultimately this, that true, abiding, lasting, internal peace and joy is found in one place. And that's in Jesus. Follow him. Look to him and live. Find that source of living water. And Jesus says, when you believe in me, something will happen in your life. He gives us his Holy Spirit. And he says, you will have this overflowing fountain that never runs dry if you abide in me and maintain your relationship with me. 
So I want to invite you today into the reality of Christmas, into the good news that brings great joy for all peoples, all peoples, Boone County peoples, even you Newton County peoples, and even us Searcy County peoples, and African peoples, and Indian peoples, and Asian peoples, and male peoples, and female peoples, little peoples, big peoples, bald-headed peoples. This is getting to be like a Dr. Seuss rhyme, never mind. All peoples, good news of great joy for you. Why did Jesus come? He came to bring heaven to earth. To bring the joy of heaven. Did you know that heaven is a place where constantly is maintained the blessedness, the pleasantness, the pleasure of God, the happiness and the joy that is almost unthinkable. It would be unthinkable if Jesus hadn't broken in and said, come into it. And he invites us in this life to come to Jesus and find great joy. I hope you find great joy in your gatherings with your families today. I hope you find great joy in the gifts that are given. I hope you find great joy, probably you'll find greater joy in the giving of gifts. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and all, with all of the things that it brings. But don't miss the main thing. The Christ child. Don't miss the Savior. Invite him in to your life, to your heart. Come into his joy. Would you pray with me? Lord, today is a day that's filled with a lot of hustle and bustle and many of us have lots of things to do and, and, and we have food in the oven and, and we've got places to go and people to see. Lord, in these final moments that we have together in this place, Pray that your truth, the truth of your word, the truth that was brought to earth by angelic, heavenly messengers over 2,000 years ago to make it explicitly clear becomes clear in our hearts that Jesus has come to bring great joy and peace to each of us. And Lord, would you work the miracle of Christmas in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, young and old today, who are living a life quite apart from your peace and joy and hope and life and light and salvation. Lord, do a work in each of us. Do a work in us who are Christians that have been walking with you for years. But somehow, the joy has been lost. Would you revive and renew in our hearts the greatness, the glory, the beauty, the majesty of heaven inside of us. Restore us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.